Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, as we turn to your word, we ask you to touch our hearts and minds. Lord, open us that by your spirit we may be challenged and inspired. We may be convicted in areas where we need to be convicted. And ultimately, Lord, we would be changed more to be like Christ. And it's in his name that we ask it. Amen. Have you ever done a frustrating project? If you haven't, where have you been? I, I, two, I guess yesterday, yesterday before that, um, we have this little fountain out on our patio. Um, and it's just one of the simple little, it's got a bowl and a thing that comes up and water just comes to the top and runs down the sides. And it's got one tube that goes up, and that tube is connected to the little pump at the bottom. But the tube, it, the bottom has a little hole, and the, tu- the pump fits in it, and the tube comes like an inch and a half, maybe two inches below, and that's what you have to grab onto if it falls out of the pump, and you have to get it back in. And the diameter of that tube is meant so that when it's in there, nothing's leaking, which means getting it in there. I spent about 15 minutes. I'm just grabbing this thing in different ways, and I'm trying to get it in there, and I'm, I'm getting more and more frustrated. And finally, I thought, all right, the tubing is really hard. So I thought, I need to get something to kind of like poke it in or something. So I went and got a, a screwdriver, a flathead screwdriver, and I thought, I'll use this to kind of force it in there. So I'm doing that, I'm doing this, and, and what's going through my head is why does anybody make something so dang hard? I mean, there's got to be an easier way for this to work. And I finally just got so fed up that I stood up like, Ugh! and then I did the dumbest thing, because I do things like this a lot when I get really, really mad. I took that screwdriver and I just threw it right at a table, and it bounced back. And I have a, you can, if you're close enough, I have a scar right there. It turned this way, and the flathead hit me right there. I mean, this far from my eye, there's blood coming down. Then I really felt dumb. But do you do that? I mean, do you get to that point where you're like working on something, and you're thinking, it should have turned out different. It should have been easier. Or like, when I finally finished this, it should not have looked like that. And you just get so frustrated. How do we deal with unmet expectations when we have seemingly put all of our effort, all of our energy into it, and yet the fruit is not there? How do we deal with that? That's what happens today in Isaiah. If you have your Bible, turn to Isaiah chapter 5. Isaiah chapter 5. Starting in verse 1, we're going to get a picture of somebody who does a whole lot of work, a whole lot of work, and yet the outcome is not what was expected. Isaiah chapter 5, verse 1, let me sing for my beloved, this is a song, my, my love song concerning his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. A couple of descriptions there. A vineyard, which is going to talk about planting this particular vineyard. It is on a fertile hill. And there's actually more in here in Hebrew 
with this fertile hill. This is a hill that is up high. It's the side, and it is open to sunlight. This is a perfect place to plant a vineyard. If you drink wine, some of the best wine is wine that is on a hill that has to work hard, and it produces better wine. This is a great place for a vineyard. He dug it and cleared it of stones. Much like Texas soil, the soil there around Jerusalem is really bad. And so he has to dig it all out and dig all these stones out of it to get it ready. And then he planted it with choice vines. He didn't just go grab some random thing. He took the best he could get. Whatever that cost, whatever time or energy or money, he took that and he used those. And then he built a watchtower in the midst of it. It probably took some of those stones that he had pulled out, would have built a fence around it and a watchtower to make sure that animals, bandits, whatever, don't get in and destroy the vineyard. And then he hewed out a wine vat in it. This is hewing out a vat in stone. This takes some time, and likely two of them. There would have been one a little higher where the grapes would have been pressed, and one lower where the, the juice would have run off into. Hey, he threw some serious time and effort into making this vineyard work. Think of a project in your life. Think of something that you just you poured yourself into. And maybe it took you days or weeks or even months. Think about a project at work that you had. We had to spend all this time planning and executing and working so hard to make this come about. This may have been as long as a three-year project, the way that it takes to set up these vineyards. So all this energy, all this time, all this effort goes into it. And he looked for it, and the word look is it carries anticipating. This is that kind of thing like on a when you're a kid on Christmas Eve. When you're like, okay, I know it's coming. I know it's coming. I can't wait to get up and go see those presents. That's what's happening here. But it yielded wild grapes. That was not the expectation. In fact, the people hearing the story, hearing the song, would have thought, wait, what? Wild grapes. The wild grapes were smaller. They were more sour than what these grapes would have been when you took care of them. So he did all this work, all this effort, all this time, and the fruit of it was what would have happened if he had not done anything. If they were just vines out in the wild, that's what would have happened. Have you ever felt that? Have you ever gone through something like that where you just you felt like you poured your heart into something? You poured your time or energy into something, and you get to the end and you think, man, why did I even do that? I mean, it was just as good before I started, before I wasted all that time. Back in the very first home that Aaron and I bought in 2002, I think, 2001, 2002, the backyard didn't have anything in it. The home had not been well taken care of, and so we were going to do some stuff with the flower beds, but we also thought we needed some shade I mean, it's Texas. You need shade in the summer. And so we planted a magnolia tree. I mean, this beautiful, giant thing that would turn. Now, we, it was small when we planted it. It's about like this. 
But the effort that went into, okay, so first I had to research because I knew nothing about Texas. Had to research what to do. Okay, these, these grow pretty well. They get big. They're beautiful. All these things. Go to the store. Get this big tree. Put it in the, in the truck. Take it home. Pull it out. Dig this massive hole. You know, unlike plants, like this is a tree. So this giant hole through that clay that is called soil in Texas. We all these big old rocks and everything. Digging all this stuff out. Finally get that down. You mix in all the soil to make sure it has the nutrients that it needs. And then for like two years, you water the crud out of this magnolia tree, at least according to Southern Living. That's what they said to do. And so just all this water and all this time and energy and efforts, five years later, that tree was exactly what it was when I planted it. I was so angry at this dumb magnolia tree. Like, why will you not grow? I am pruning you and watering you and planting you everything I'm supposed to, and you're doing nothing. I could have just left you in the pot and stuck it on my patio, and it would have been just as good. Have you felt that? I want you to think right now. Think about a time where you poured yourself into something, whether it was a, a physical project or maybe something at work, maybe a relationship where you poured yourself into it. And all that effort, when you got to the end, you just felt like, why did I even do this? I mean, like, this is not what I expected. Did you feel that frustration? Maybe anger? Maybe if it's happened enough, a certain amount of bitterness? You know, like, I deserve more. Like, I, I, I put effort in this. More should have come out of this. I mean, I can think in my own life of a number of instances. I was a high school teacher for seven years. You pour into these students year after year, and most of them could care less. You think, man, why don't you, I'm trying to do something here. My kids, occasionally I will go in, and, and we just did this. Actually, my wife did most of it this time, but we'll clean the playroom. That'll last like 30 minutes. But I mean, you just, it takes a while. You do all this stuff and like you think, can't you appreciate what we did and like keep it clean for a day? But all these, I remember selling one of our homes and we took a chance. We called up this realtor that we were told is really, really good, helped a friend sell their house. Well, we'd sold one home before. This is our first time to like, we're going out there and they're like, okay, we want to stage your home we're going to do this stuff, so we're going to spend all this money. We're going to take all this time, but we're going to get you. And we had this figure, and we're like, all right, we can put money out to get that figure. We ended up getting what we could have sold the house for in its current condition by ourselves. And it took nine months to do it. I mean, it's just so frustrating. What do you do? How do you handle that? When you find yourself in that situation, what do you do? This text is going to give us three things. Three steps, um, ways of handling it, things to do. When you find yourself in this, either maybe it's a cycle, you just keep doing it. Maybe it's a one-off thing, but you find yourself in that situation. This was not what should have happened. Here's number one. Back to your text. Verse 3. 
And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. Here's the first thing. You need to make an honest judgment. How much of your situation is your fault and how much of it is the trees, the other persons, the classes, the kids, whatever it is? Where is your role in what happened? Because I can tell you, go back to my high school experience, most of the time I think I gave myself all over to this. I taught the best I could. I gave it all my energy. And, but I also know there were some times that I kind of just, yeah, mailed it in a little bit. Where is it that you're not actually doing all you think you are doing? Right, let there be an honest evaluation before you go any further. Right, here, here's a little part about my tree story that I didn't tell you. Two years in, I had to move the tree. Something we were doing in the backyard, I had to dig it up and move it. Well, that alone, I don't know how much of it that stunted its growth, but I know I didn't do a great job in doing that. I didn't even research how to do it. I was just kind of frustrated that I had to move the tree. So I got out there, I dug the thing up, and I stuck it in the ground. How much of its growth problem was me? <laughs> Not, it was the tree. That's what I felt like. It was a tree. But if I'm being honest, how much of it is me? Right? Think about that frustrating relationship. Think about that frustrating business plan that didn't work the way you thought it was supposed to work. Right? How much of it was on you? Now, in this case, keep reading with me, verse 4. What more was there to do for my vineyard that I have not done in it? And the answer, nothing. In this case, the beloved did everything he could for that vineyard. I mean, you got the description. Chose the right hill, dug everything up, gave it protection, gave it the right vines, did all he could to make it grow. And that may be the case in your situation. Maybe you really have done all you can. Not perfect, but you really have done the best you can. All right, so number one, just see who may be at fault in this whole thing. Um, back when uh, my son was two, he was sitting at the table and he's eating. And I, it was probably lunch because I was doing some dishes. And he says, Daddy, some food fell on the floor. Okay, well, clean it up. Just be careful. And I go back to doing my dishes. Moment later, Daddy, some more food fell on the floor. Like, okay, well, would you be careful? Like, stop dropping your food. You know, the dog's down there enjoying a little feast. Just stop dropping your food. Go back to doing dishes. And I look up, and I see my son take his carrots and go, Daddy, some food fell on the floor. Now, whose fault is that? Where are you just dropping carrots and blaming somebody else? And where are you really doing all you can do in that situation? When you're doing all you can do, here's step two. This is going to look kind of harsh here, so I'm going to read it and then give some explanation. Um, when I looked for it to yield grapes, why did it yield wild grapes? 
And now I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will remove its hedge, that's its protection, and it shall be devoured. No more will it be protected from the wild animals. It shall be trampled down. I will make it a waste. It shall not be pruned or hoed, and the briars and thorns shall grow up. By making it a waste, he doesn't mean going out there in anger like I did with my screwdriver. He means I'm going to stop worrying about it. I'm no longer going to take my hoe out there. I'm not going to get rid of the weeds. I'm just going to let it grow over. I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain upon it. Here's what he's doing. He's making a course correction. He's changing plans. The beloved says, I threw all I could into this, and this is what it produced. Here's what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to keep hoeing this ground to get wild grapes. I'm not going to keep anticipating and looking forward to this producing something that while you should produce it, you're not going to, because I've given it my all. I'm going to go a different direction. In fact, I may go plant a vineyard over here somewhere. I'm not giving up on vineyards. I'm giving up on this right here, this direction, this course. I'm going to stop beating my head against a wall because eventually I'm going to knock myself out by doing it. There comes a point where as you keep pouring yourself into something and nothing happens, nothing changes, no fruit is produced, at some point, you got to change direction. Because this right here, all this does is create a greater frustration, a greater bitterness. I mean, think about what it can do to relationships. The more you get frustrated with this person because nothing changes, we're called into relationship. Well, let's remove the project then and just stop going that direction. Like, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm going a different direction. I may still care for you. We could even have a relationship, but I'm not doing this anymore. This is killing me. And that's not what God wants from me. Right? When you pour your energy into something, there needs to be some fruit somewhere. Or you need to change direction. Right? Back when I was younger, um, my mom would make Toll House chocolate chip cookies. Can you smell them? I mean, right now? I should have brought some. I just, I have this vivid memory of like they're in the oven and they come out and they're all gooey and they're wonderful. And, and so when I left the house, I wanted to make Toll House cookies. And so I grabbed the bag and I look at the ingredients and I'm like, all right, I can do this. And I follow the directions and my cookies come out flat and hard. I don't know what I did wrong. All right, I'm going to try it again and again and again and again. And I tried making those cookies for years. And you know what changed about my approach? The day I made them on. You know what didn't change? The recipe. Why was I ever thinking these things were going to come out right at some point? But that's what I did. I literally would come into this and I'd be like, all right, today's the day. Hey, I'm going to measure this right now. Pull out these directions. Okay, I don't need the directions anymore. I've done this so many times. I know exactly what goes in these cookies. And I'm going to do it again. Man, they came out the same way. Why is that? What was I expecting? You do the same thing over and over again, it's probably going to come out the same way. I think what I was missing was mom's love. I just don't have that, though. I can't give that to the cookies. 
I did make some cookies the other day that my wife came and I said, so what do you think of cookies? And she had this look on her face. I'm like, okay, these were good cookies. <laughs> like, these were good cookies here. And she goes, well, I mean, I guess for peanut butter cookies, they weren't bad. I said, babe, they weren't peanut butter cookies. <laughs> oh, okay, well, they were really good then. <laughs> I finally changed the recipe, like multiple times. And I finally came up with, okay, these actually, they're not mom's, but they're good. I changed courses, and it produced a different cookie. Sometime we've got to change courses. Step number three, and the last thing, verse seven. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah are his pleasant planting. Oh. Oops. Um, a little embarrassed here. I'm a little ashamed. Um, the whole first part of that sermon, you've been sitting there for like 23 minutes now, I think. Um, passage actually wasn't about any of that. Um, it's not really about when we get frustrated by something that goes on that should have produced something else. Um, you know that feeling of frustration that we were talking about that hopefully you felt a little bit? That's God's frustration with the people of Israel. This isn't about us and when we pour things into something. This is about when God pours things into something and it produces as if he hadn't. Keep going with me. And he looked for justice, but behold, bloodshed. For righteousness, but behold, an outcry. This whole parable, this whole song, was God saying, I planted a vineyard called Israel, and I pruned, and I watered, and I gave them the best land, and I gave them everything. I loved them when they weren't lovable, and I forgave them, and I empowered them, and I provided for them. And all they produced was sour grapes. Now, does that sound right? Does that sound good? I mean, you felt it, right? You felt when it, what it feels like to, like, give your heart and soul to something and to basically have somebody go, eh. How do you think God feels when Israel is doing it? All those people listening, when they heard about the vineyard, and the vineyard didn't produce what it was supposed to, and then the guy goes, you know what, I'm done with this vineyard. They would have been going, amen. We get it. You should be done with that vineyard. It's not producing what it should be producing. Like You gave it everything, and it is not producing what it should be producing. Let it go. And all of a sudden, he flips it, and he goes, hey, all you people listening, you're my vineyard. What do you want me to do with you? I mean, this is Nathan coming to David. Hey, David, I got a story about a guy who treated somebody really unfairly. What we should do? Oh, man, you should do justice on him. Hey, David, you're that guy. Oh, dang. <laughs> Screwed that one up. Here it is. We are his vineyard. Now, I just want you to start thinking with me. What has God done? done for his vineyard. 
When you and I were in rebellion, what did God do? When you and I are still rebelling, what does God continue to do? How does God treat us when we are not treating him well? Think about the grace and the love and the compassion. Think about the endurance that God has with us. How many times have you turned your back on God? And how many times has he turned his back on you? Just let it sink in. How much he has done in our lives for us. And then ask yourself, what are you producing? Take an honest look at your life for a moment. How many of the grapes are sour and how many of them are these plump, beautiful, wonderful grapes that came about because of what God has been doing in your life and your willingness to submit to it. Your humbleness to be able to say, your way, God. I want to go that way. I have one application for you. I want to challenge you this week to go into God's word each day and see what he has done. Tomorrow, I'll send an email out to the whole church. I'm going to give you five passages. You can use those or you can use your own. I don't care. I'm going to send out five passages. All I want you to do is read one each day. And I want you to go, what has God done to make my, this vineyard grow? What has God provided for me? Now, you may uh, know the name Lauren Hernandez. Uh, if you don't know it now, in the next eight years, you probably will. Uh, she is one of the final five in the women's gymnastics who got gold in the all-around, and, and, and she is the one with the really amazing eyes. I mean, I think she can probably see for like miles. They are beautiful and like supernaturally big. Uh, that, that girl there, right? Lauren Hernandez, a lot of people know her, won gold. I want to tell you about a different Lauren Hernandez who also had something happen in her life uh, I guess a week ago, that um, was amazing and beautiful and wonderful. Lauren had been raised by her mom and her mom's boyfriend. She just graduated from high school. Her mom's boyfriend has been in her life for 17 years, came into her life when she was one, and has been raising her this whole time. Lauren threw a graduation party and invited friends and family to come to the party. And then at the party, she gave a gift to her mom's boyfriend for her graduation. And he opens up the gift, and everybody's around, and everybody else knows what's going on, but he doesn't. And he opens up the box, and there's a poem. On a, he, she had framed this poem. And she re, he reads this poem, and, and you can see him tearing up as he's reading it, uh, there's a YouTube video. Like, somebody in the family videoed it. 
And, and he comes over and like she hugs him and they're hugging each other. And then he'd thrown the box down. And somebody motions, he goes and he picks the box up and underneath where this was seated was something else. And he pulls out this folder. And in the folder are adoption papers. And she says, will you be my real legal daddy? And there's no comments. He's just sitting there holding these papers and he collapses to the ground, just weeping. And she says, I always wanted him to be my dad because he was always there for my life. Here's why I share the story. To respond to the work of God's, to, to respond to God's work in your life does not require being the Lauren Hernandez who earned a gold medal. If you are thinking to yourself, in order to really respond to God, like I have to do all of these amazing, huge, supernatural, giant, gold medal kinds of things, you don't. God is not asking. He's not demanding that. Here's what God is looking for. An appropriate response to the love and the care that he has given in your life. What Lauren Hernandez did didn't earn her a gold medal. She didn't have to train all her life to do this. What she did is she went, Joe, my mom's boyfriend, has cared for me for 17 years like a father. The appropriate response is to say, can we make this legal? I want you to be my dad. And I want you to know how much all you have done for me means. What has God done for you? And what is our appropriate? Not our gold medal. Not I have to earn something from God. You can't do that. But the appropriate response. What are your adoption papers? That you say to God, because of what you've done, this is what I want to be. This is how I want to respond. That's what he's calling us to. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, your grace, your mercy, it knows no bounds. Sometimes I think it is easy for us to kind of stick it up in some 30,000-foot view that that doesn't really sink into our lives and our hearts and our everyday actions. Lord, I ask right now and through this week and really for the rest of our lives, Lord, help us to see ourselves as this vineyard that, that you put work and effort and time, energy into. Lord, help us to see all of the amazing, wonderful, beautiful things that you do in our lives and then take that step of appropriate response so that we are not wild, sour grapes, but we are these beautiful grapes that you produce. We ask this in the name of our Savior. Amen.